This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and welcome to the show. Damon Runyon was an American newspaper man and short story writer. He was best known for his short stories celebrating the world of Broadway in New York City that grew out of the Prohibition era. Two New Yorkers of his generation, a Damon Runyon character evoked a distinctive social type from Brooklyn or Midtown Manhattan. The adjective Runyonesque refers to this type of character as well as to the type of situations and dialogue that Runyon depicted. He spun humorous and sentimental tales of gamblers, hustlers, actors, and gangsters, few of whom go by square names, preferring instead colorful monikers such as Nathan Detroit, Benny South Street, Big Julie, Harry the Horse, and Good Time Charlie. His distinctive vernacular style is known as Runyonese, a mixture of formal speech and colorful slang, almost always in present tense and always devoid of contractions. I am going, as opposed to I'm going, as an example. He accredited with coining the phrase Hooray Henry, a term now used in British English to describe the upper-class version of a loudmouth, arrogant twit. Runyon's fictional world is also known to the general public through the musical Guys and Dolls. And the musical additionally borrows characters and story elements from a few other Runyon stories as well. But he was also a newspaper reporter covering sports and general news for decades with various publications and syndicates owned by William Randolph Hearst. He was the Hearst newspaper's baseball columnist for many years, beginning in 1911, and his knack for spotting the eccentric and the unusual in the field or in the stands is credited with revolutionizing the way baseball was covered. Gambling particularly on craps or horse races, was a common theme of Runyon's works, and he was a notorious gambler himself. A heavy drinker as a young man, he seemed to have quit drinking soon after arriving in New York, after his drinking nearly cost him the courtship of a woman who became his first wife, Ellen Egan. He remained a heavy smoker, however. Well, let's get to our story now, Damon Runyon's story, The Bloodhounds of Broadway. The Damon Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master storyteller, Damon Runyon. And this one, The Bloodhounds of Broadway. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway. Thanks. You know, at four in the morning along the main stem, one is apt to see many peculiar things. For example, it is about that time I am standing in front of Mindy's with regret the horse player. We are talking of things, mostly nothing, when we hear something happening at the curb. 
Oh, please, just a nightcap. I said no. It's early. It's only four. It is too late as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Clay. Good night. Oh, no, wait a minute, baby. I said good night. I guess she says good night, Broadway. She does it with a great deal of gusto. I do not blame her in the least. <laughs> Regret? Who is the citizen she does not wish any more part of? Him? That is Marvin Clay. You know him. Oh, yeah. He has plenty of scratch. Yeah, from his father. Yeah, there is a guy like Marvin Clay who is loaded. Here is a guy like me who is the opposite. Will you take his money if you have to be him? Mm, yeah, that is something I do not care to offer an opinion on right now. Uh, holy mackerel, Broadway, look at what is coming down this way. From where I am standing, it looks like a citizen leading two ponies. Broadway, those things are dogs. Dogs? I never see dogs that big. It must be Glandula with them. Now, what do you suppose that strange-looking character is doing with dogs this hour of the morning? Well, we get our answer to that in a couple of seconds. Also, what happens with the dogs and regret and Marvin Clay is more than somewhat interesting because it includes the gendarmes, a shooting, and something that is strange indeed which I will tell you about in a minute. And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, The Bloodhounds of Broadway. saying regret spots the dogs and the character who leads them with two long ropes they get up to us and regret says as follows hi there me you talking to me uh-huh oh hi well one thing about being up this early in the morning the conversation is not long and dull so long hey hey uh wait a minute me yeah yeah you uh what are those dogs you have got there Mine? Yeah, well, what kind are they? Bloodhounds. They have got ears like bedsheets. How old are they? Coming on three. The yellow ones nip and the brown ones tuck. Ah, three years old, huh? What's the matter with them? Nothing. Why? Well, they are very wrinkled. Nip there especially. He looks like he has many things on his mind. Yep. <coughs> That's Tuck. How are you, Tuck? Uh, why, uh, why does he make that noise, huh? He smells food. He ain't eaten two days. Well, then get him away from my legs. Nip's hungry, too. Come to think of it, so am I. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Wait. You mean these poor animals do not eat for two days? That's the size and passel of it, mister. I do not like to see animals suffer. What do they eat? Taint particular. Long as it'll taste something like food. Nip is looking at me. I, I do not like that. Won't hurt you none, mister. Lesson you done something. They is man-tracking bloodhounds. Follow a man from one end of earth to other. How do you like that? Gendarmes with fleas. Mm, uh, tell you what. I do not like to see animals suffer. Now you bring them in Mindy's and I will set them up to some food. I'm hungry too. Okay. 
Come on. Hey, wait a minute, Regret. You are not figuring to take them Shetland ponies and Mindy's. Why not? Guess it won't hurt them. Come on. Several sirloin steaks later, plus borscht, goulash, soup, and various other articles of food, John Wengel, it turns out this is the citizen's name, wipes his mouth on his sleeve and settles back. Nip and Tuck are full too, and are now sleeping with their ears over their eyes. Wengel tells us how he happens to be in New York with man-tracking bloodhounds from Georgia. Well, mister, I brung Nip and Tuck north with old-time Uncle Tom's cabin show. Show went plumb bust. And me and the dogs did, too. First meal I had in two days. Why do you not go back to Georgia? Got no money. Well, do you ever think of selling the dogs? Sell Nip and Tuck? Not on your life, mister. They is the finest man-tracking hounds in the country. Is there very much of a market for that work? Nope. Is there nobody you are able to write to, a, a relative? Well, yep, my, my uncle's a sheriff. Ah. Uh. But I can't write. Oh. Come to think of it, wouldn't do me no good to write him anyway. Why not? He can't read. I see. Well, uh, uh, what do you plan to do, Mr. Wangle? I don't know. Make out best I can, I reckon. Yeah, I hate to see animals suffer. Tell you what, Mr. Wangle. You drop by here now and then. I'll take care of the food. That's right nice of you, mister. Maybe me and the dogs will be able to pay you back someday. That's Nip. Dreaming again. Dreaming of tracking somebody down. Hi, and Nip. <laughs> nice. Mister, if you ever need anybody tracked down, just call on me and Nip and Tuck. We'll find whoever you want, no matter where. Uh-huh. Meantime, uh, where do you live? Well, uh, we've been staying at a public park north of here, but seeing as how Mr. Regret has taken an interest, I figure maybe moving in closer to town will be just about right. So, Regret, because he is very soft-hearted about animals, takes the bloodhounds under his wing. But it seems that now he has to take the grub out on the sidewalk because Mindy objects. Naturally, Nip and Tuck grow very fond of regret. So does John Wangle, because all three of them are beginning to fat up very nicely. In fact, in several days, the bloodhound's ribs become practically invisible, where before they stick out like bones on a well-picked heron. Then it comes up one night, and I am with regret in the 300 Club, where the scene is as follows. <laughs> now I ask you, Broadway, this is the life, huh? It is all right. Wonderful music... Beautiful dolls. Yeah, speaking of dolls, is that not Miss Lovey Lou sitting over there? Huh? Yeah, yeah, it is. And soak me for a herring if she is not with Marvin Clay. Broadway, it burns me when I think of a very nice doll like Lovey Lou being with a heel like Marvin Clay. Well, he is a very well-heeled heel. Miss uh, Lovey Lou is not one to overlook fine points like that. I will thank you not to talk about Lovey in that manner. Oh, it seems like you take an interest in her. I am interested, yes. I am interested. What is happening over there? It seems to me that Marvin Clay wants to dance without getting up. Why, the... Dirty! I'm going to put a stop to it. It is none of your business, Regret. 
I'll make it mine. Do not be a sap. I'm going to smash his ever-loving face into pieces. Come on. Regret, do not bother yourself. It is no bother. It is more like a play. You will be bounced out of here. Please behave yourself. Oh, now, Take your hands off Miss Lovey Lou. Oh, who the devil are you? Take your hands off her. That's what I keep telling him. I will give you a split second to unhand her. <laughs> Go away, you idiot. Mr. Clay, I am going to unhinge your head from the rest of you. Oh, you... You Dan, I'll have you thrown into jail so fast you... You asked for it, Mr. Clay! I'll get you for this, you, you top! Get up and get out of here, fast! Go on! You heard what the man said, beat it! You hear about this? Yeah. Come on, lovey Lou. It's all right, everyone. Just a little accident. That is all. Regret? That was wonderful. Oh, it is nothing, lovey. Any time at all. Regret? I think you are in trouble. Me? Why? Marvin Clay is not the kind of a citizen who will take this laying down. Uh, then I will see that he lays down. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have a dance with Miss Lovey Lou. How about it, Lovey? I think that'll be just lovey. It will be just lovey, she says. And it is. It seems regret falls for Miss Lovey Lou, and for the next week he sees a great deal of it. In fact, he cannot miss, because she is in the floor show at the 300 Club, and one is able to see a great deal of all the dolls there. Anyway, it seems he forgets all about John Wangle and Nip and Tuck for some days. Then, it comes up one morning, and I am again standing in front of Mindy's at about 4 a.m., when I see somebody coming toward me. And who is it but a police inspector by the name of McNamara? And he says to me... Ah, morning, Broadway. Good morning, Mac. What brings you out before the sun? Trouble, trouble, nothing but trouble. What is this particular trouble? Looking for a friend of yours. That gives you trouble? In this case, yeah. Broadway, where's Regret? Regret? Why, I, I do not see him for almost a week. In fact, it is about a week. Sure? Sure. Well, I guess you're telling the truth. Is there uh, any particular reason you are out this early looking for regret? Well, yeah, I guess you could call it a particular reason. I see. Like I say, I, I do not see him. Yeah, like you say. Uh, I guess I got to tramp all over town to get him. Oh, he could be in any one of several hundred places. But uh, you do not yet tell me why you look for him. You know Marvin Clay... I uh, hear of him, yeah, but I am not on speaking terms. Have a fight? No, I just do not know him well enough. I see. How about regret? Regret? You remember regret. We just talked about him a couple of seconds ago. What about him? And Marvin Clay? Well, it seems that regret and Clay had a few words about a week ago. And uh, from what I heard, regret gave Clay five fingers in a knot. So? So about an hour ago, I got a call to see a man who was shot. Shot? With a gun? It seems reasonable to draw that conclusion. Seeing as how there were some holes in Mr. Marvin Clay. Clay? And, and, and regret? I got to ask regret a few questions, and I... What is a steamboat doing up this far? Uh, those are dogs. Uh, bloodhounds. Holy cats. Look at the size of them. Morning, Broadway. Take it easy, Nip. Now, settle down, Tuck. Settle down. Get those horses off the side. Yeah, yeah, you, you better run along, Wangle. Uh, he ain't here again, huh? No, no, he is not here, but he will be later. Now, now, run along. Here, here, take this bob and buy something. We sure miss regret. Regret? Regret the horse player? 
Best friend man a dog ever had. Wait a minute. You know regret? Uh, just slightly, Inspector. The, the, the dogs have a, a sniff in the quaint. Shut up, Broadway. Uh, you. What's your name? Wangle. Why? These are bloodhounds, aren't they? Best man trackers in the whole world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, now run along. Wangle. I told you to shut up. Uh, Wangle, these dogs know regret pretty well. Why, I reckon Nip and Tuck could sniff out regret from all the people in the whole world. Uh, and uh, just suppose, uh, suppose regret had been someplace and had gone. Could these dogs track them down? Mister, even if the trail's more than a day old, they can do it. Okay, here's where I save some legwork. Come along. Where to? You want to find regret, right? Wangle, do not listen Shut to Shut up. This. How about it, Wangle? Mister... You could just show Nip and Tuck where Regret was last, and they'll get to him in no time at all. So, that is that. I figure Regret is cooked. And what comes after is something that the main stem will never forget. And how it ends is quite a story, which I will tell you in a minute. Now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, The Bloodhounds of Broadway. Well, there we go, off into the cold gray morning. McNamara has it no other way than I go along. I do not know why, but there I am at 4.15 a.m., tearing along behind Nip and Tuck, who are taken to the scene of the shooting. They sniff around, then both of them put out about a yard of tongue, dig in, and the next thing I know, we are a sight to behold indeed. Nip and Tuck are leading. Behind them is John Wangle holding the lead ropes. Then comes Inspector McNamara, and then me, followed by ten gendarmes. <laughs> Slow him down a little. Mister, when Nip and Tuck are after somebody, they go like grease lightning. Poor Regret. And after all he does for those flea circuses. Yeah, saves me plenty of legwork. Wango, sure those dogs are going in the right direction? Mister, they ain't never made no mistake in their whole life. If Mr. Regret went this way, they know it. If it is all the same to you, Mac, I will get off here. You're going along, Broadway. You're going to help me find it. Hey, hey, they stop, mister. This is where Mr. Regret is. Why, there's nothing but an old garage. Can't have it, mister. Nip and Tuck know this is where he is. Well, quiet him down. Sure, Nip, Tuck. Quiet now, quiet now. Easy now. Easy. What is Regret doing in this old garage? What do you think? Hiding out. Boys, spread out. Kelly, Rabinowitz, get around to the back. Burton, take three men, cover the sides of this place. Rest of you, back me up when I go in the front here. Where do you want me, Mac? Home? Keep off to one side. Regrets get a rod. Now, careful, boys. You're going in after a desperate man. All right? Take off. Okay. Here we go, boys. Wolf, kick open that door. If it ain't open, shoot it open. 
I regret you've come and got the gun. Stand where you are. Stand still, every last man of you. Well, well, well. A crap game. Maybe you guys ain't read the law about it. But, but where is regret? Mister, Mister Nip and Tuck want to get going again. Mister Regret ain't here, but he was. Yeah. Okay, we'll go in a minute. First, I want to take down some names of certain citizens who are breaking the law by shooting craps. Line up. Line up and give your right names. McNamara makes this haul and we take off again with Nip and Tuck leading the way. They make stop after stop. By this time there is quite a crowd following because it is by no means a usual thing to see a troop of gendarmes chasing after two bloodhounds who have got their bellies close to the pavement. Every now and then the dogs let loose with those loud wails and the result is a lot of citizens hurt themselves leaping from windows and fire escapes figuring somebody's after them. Then Nip and Tuck make another stop. And the scene is as follows. Look, Wangle, this is the 18th stop we've made. Where is Regret? I can't help it, mister. Every place Nip and Tuck stopped, Regret was there. He is quite busy. So far, we break up three crap games, two poker parties, various and sundry other illegal enterprises, and etc. Wangle, these dogs are nothing but stool pigeons. I can't help it, Mr. Broadway. I go where Nip and Tuck go. All right, Wangle. We'll try this joint. Hey, wait a minute. This is no joint. This is where Miss Maud Milligan lives. So? She is Big Sam's friend. And I wish no part of being any place that Big Sam might be. We're going in. All right, boys. Once more. This may be it. Spread out. Your gendarmes are becoming pretty tired, man. Oh, shut up. All right, Wolf. Give the buzzer a punch. Yeah, who is it? Open up, Maud. Inspector McNamara. Hey, what's the idea? Waking me up in the middle of the night. Open up or we'll break the door in. Take that chain off. Get ready, boys. All right, Wangle, let him loose. Wangle, Wangle, quiet him down. Get him quiet. Nip, talk down now, down. Settle down, boy. Settle down. But those ain't no things to scare a girl with at five in the morning. You get him out of here. Where is he, Maud? You get him out. Huh? Who? Quit stalling. I want regret. You, are you kidding? Oh, I ain't heard nothing like that in my whole life. And he's looking at me. Listen, Maud, I want regret. Yes, he ain't here either, mister. What? Listen, Wangle. I can't help it. But they want to get going. Come on. Well, then you let them. And you, McNamara, I'm going to see my alderman, the mayor, and, and maybe the governor about this. No, You've got Ma no right breaking in here and making a zoo out of my apartment. Look, I'm going to I... sue you. I'll have you thrown off the force. I'll see the newspaper oh, boys and tell them how you go around with... with. Will somebody tell me what they are? Bloodhounds, Maud. Well, I ain't Eliza and I ain't never been an ice skater. Now get up. All right, all right, Maud, all right. Don't get sore. Just a mistake. Well, don't you ever make another one like it. McNamara gets out. So do Nip and Tuck. By this time, McNamara is no dog lover, and I know he never will be. But he gives Wangle one more chance to find regret or get thrown in the tank for obstructing justice. So off we go again, and we end up at the Club 300. And this time, it is the end of the trail, because sitting over the table with Miss Lovey Lou... 
is nobody but regret. Nip and Tuck take one look, and before anybody knows what happens, they are across the floor and practically in his lap, licking his face. <laughs> Mac is right after them. Here he is, boys. Get him. Hey, what is going on? Oh, look. The pickle bar door is broke my way. Oh, Wango, call him off. Get him away from me. And all this comes from being kind to animals. Wango, get him away from him. Get him away. I'm going to lie for the shooting of Harvin Clay. No. Wango, no. do something. I can't see regret. Get him away. No. If you are able to think of how I can stop 11 coppers, do so now or forever hold your peace. Oh, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Maybe so, but it is too late to think about it now. You, you don't understand, Broadway. Regret didn't shoot Marvin Clay. I did. Oh, sure. Huh? Listen, come over away from this real fast. Come on. Now, what is this you say? It's true. It's true. He's a healer. Maybe so. But there is the law against shooting even heels. What'll they do to regret? Does regret know you shoot Clay? No. What'll they do to regret? What do you think? Broadway, it was an accident. I swear it was an accident. I found out he was going out with my baby sister. And... I never know you have one. I do. I went to see Marvin Clay. He laughed. He, he took a gun out of a drawer and said I had to get out. And I got mad. I, I slapped him and it was a fight. The gun went off. Yeah, I see. But what about regret? Broadway, I'll... I'll tell him what really happened. Then you better hurry up before one of two things happens. Either he is taken to the pokey, or he is swallowed by those dogs. <laughs> well, a few minutes later, they untangle regret from Nip and Tuck. By this time, he is pretty done in. But Wangle says the dogs are just playing. Now, this is not the end of the story. In fact, there is quite a bit more, and I will tell you the payoff in just a minute. Well, like I say, regret is untangled from the door. McNamara arrests him, but uh, Miss Lovey Lou comes forward with her story. The upshot is the whole bunch are taken to headquarters, including me. Well, of course, I am released because I am just an innocent bystander. Well, it is two days after all this that I am sitting in Mindy's when in comes Regret, all dressed up, and he has two suitcases with him. He sits down and says, Hello, Broadway. Regret, I am glad to see you. Uh, yeah, I, uh... I am leaving town, Broadway. I see you are carrying suitcases. And it seems to me you look more than somewhat nervous. Uh-huh. I, uh, I'm just killing time before I leave. Huh. Uh, how does the whole thing turn out, Regret? Oh, all right. Yeah, I hear that Marvin Clay is not dead. Also that he does not prosecute Miss Lovey Lou. Uh, yeah, that is correct. Because he does not want unfavorable publicity. Sure, sure. Uh, by the way, uh, what becomes of Wangle and, and Nip and Tuck? Oh, they are ingrates. But they are sent back to Georgia. It seems some of the boys take up a collection which sets them up for life. Because they are very dangerous to have around here. They get plenty of people in trouble the night they look for me. Yeah, they do. I can see why uh, certain citizens would rather take chances with the gendarmes than with Nip and Tuck. <laughs> exactly. So, I am leaving town for a while. Oh, you and Miss Lovey Lou are going on a honeymoon? Uh-uh. I am through with Miss Lovey Lou. What? But she saves you from trouble. 
You know she does not have to say anything. You are the logical suspect for the gendarmes to collar. And it would be tough for you. I know. But I do not like to be married to any doll who handles a rascal, even by accident. Think what would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. But then, why are you leaving town? Broadway, what is the last stop Nip and Tuck make before they find me? Eh, uh, crab cane, the poker... Oh, oh, Maud Milligan's place. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, Big Sam is out of town at the time. But I hear he is coming back. Now I am going to leave town for a while because maybe if he hears about Nip and Tuck going to Maud's place, Big Sam might get the wrong idea. Goodbye, Broadway. And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, The Bloodhounds of Broadway. Listen in again next week for... The Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater with John Brown as Broadway is directed by Richard Sandville and the story is adapted for radio by Russell Hughes. Vern Carstensen is in charge of production. This is a Mayfair production. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Fay next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Fay and another show that involves problematic band member Frank Remily. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall family druggist. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Today, as we look in on the Harrises, Phil and Alice have just arrived at NBC for rehearsal of their radio program. Hey, we better hurry, Alice. We'll be late for rehearsal. I don't want to set a bad example for the guys in the band. You know, since we've got a new sponsor, those guys have changed. They've become gentlemen. I haven't noticed any change in them. Well, I have, and I work with them. I laid the law down to them last week. I said, from now on, we ain't going to have any more horse playing or poker games at rehearsal. <laughs> Good for you, Phil. Well, we'd better get in or the boys will start playing without you. They can't start without me. Why not? I got the dice. <laughs> oh, Phil, the Rexall people aren't going to like that. You're in enough trouble with the company already. What trouble? Last week at their store, you insulted a customer and smashed every bottle on the perfume counter. Gosh, Phil, aren't you ever going to grow up? Why do you always get into trouble? I don't know. I guess it's just the Peter Pan in me. 
make things worse, when you cut your hand, you let Frankie sign your contract with the Rexall Drug Company. Well, how was I to know he'd sign his own name instead of mine? You know, Phil, with that contract, Frankie is now legally the star of the program. Oh, nonsense. <laughs> Frankie's probably forgotten about that contract already. You seem to forget that Frankie's my pal. He wouldn't try to take over. Don't worry about it. You'll see just as soon as we get into the studio. I've told you the whole story. That's why the sponsor insisted that I be the star of this show. Hey, you mean you're in charge now, Remley? Irrevocably. From this moment forward, I am your leader. You ought to accept my orders with unquestioning obedience. I am an absolute power. From now on, there'll be no more clowning. I want more respect than you showed to your former leader. How's the trouble with him? He was nothing Don't but... you say nothing about our former leader. He was a great guy. Yes, sir. He was our leader for ten years and did a great job. We'll never forget him. No matter where he goes, we'll always have a soft spot in our hearts for good old... Hey, Artie, what was his name again? <laughs> It's Phil Harris. Don't feel sorry for him. He's still with us. I'm going to let him play the cymbals. <laughs> Just because I'm the star of the show don't mean I'd throw him out. He's my pal. <laughs> what do you think I am, a heel? Heel, Henry, heel! That's enough, <laughs> Now, uh, in line with the dignity of our new sponsor, you'll notice I made a few changes in the orchestra. I've added three new violins and a lady, harpist. <laughs> and another thing, from now on, I'm going to do the singing. So let's go over my number. I'm singing, that's what I like about the South, but I'm changing the lyrics. Why change? Because they're corny. Won't you come with me to Alabama, come and see my dear old mammy? She's boiling eggs and frying hammy, and that's what I like about the South. <laughs> Nothing. I'm changing the lyrics to fit my personality and birthplace. From now on, it goes like this. Won't you come with me to North Dakota? Come and see my dear old Moda. She's mixing me a scotch and soda. And that's what I like about the North. All right, now we'll try it that way. Hold it, hold it. All right, hold it. Okay, Remley, you can step down now. The maestro's here. I knew I should show up. <laughs> hey, Remley. <laughs> hey, huh? that was a funny gag. You're signing your name to my contract last week. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> you, the star of the program. <laughs> 
Oh, you're a clip, kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't I? <laughs> yeah. All right, sit down and play the cymbals. I got a band to rehearse. Cymbals, <laughs> Remley, listen to Please, me. Please, you're running me into overtime. <laughs> All right, fellas, one chorus of our new theme. That's what I like about North Dakota. Hey, wait a minute, Remley, you're not singing... That's what you like about what? <laughs> North Dakota. That's the last straw. Now, get off of this stand. But Remley. my contract Get says... down. Get off of here. Now, look, I don't know what Remley told you guys, but I'm still the boss. I'm your leader. I don't want any more of that... Why does he keep calling me Isham? <laughs> All right, fellas, look. Now, we're doing That's What I Like About the South, and we're doing it my way. Hit it. Won't you come with me to Alabama? Let's go. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Who smuggled Chef Fields into this? That's the girl harpist I hired. Harpist? Lady, will you... Lady! Please, lady, will you take that screen door and get out of here? Friendly, I... I... I just don't know. What's that? I can't understand you. At times you remind me a little Willie. You mean Alice's brother? No. Willie Green. Now, Willie Green was from New Orleans and just as mean and selfish as he could be. Just like you. He always wanted part of what somebody else had, but he didn't want to give nothing to you. And then one day, his mother baked him a jelly roll. Yeah. That's the best cake that was ever made. And then when Willie's little friends all gathered around and asked him for a piece, just like you, here's what little Willie said. I ain't gonna give nobody none of my jelly roll. I wouldn't give you a piece of cake to save your soul. My ma told me today, just before she went away, be a good little boy, I'll bring you a toy. I'm my mama's pride and joy. There ain't no need for you to keep on hanging round. I love you and I hate to turn you down. Now you kids are awful sweet, but my jelly roll just can't be beat. I know you want it, you craving for it, but I ain't going to give you none. I ain't going to give nobody none of this jelly roll. I wouldn't give you a piece of cake to save your soul. Cause my mom told me today, just before she went away, be a cute little boy, I'll bring you a toy. I'm my mama's little Roy. There ain't no need for you to keep on hanging round. I love you and I hate to turn you down. Now you kids are awful sweet, but my jelly roll just can't be beat. I know you want it, you craving for it, but I ain't gonna give you now.
Oh, that was great, Phil. Shall I rehearse my song now? Oh, uh, don't bother, Alice. We won't have time for either one of you to sing. <laughs> What do you mean? As star of the show, I've decided to do a long guitar solo. <laughs> My lawyer says as long as I have that contract, it gives me the... Now, that does it. Give me back that contract, Remley. I'll shake it out. Unhand me, you uncouth cymbal banger. <laughs> Stop searching me. You don't think I'm fool enough to carry the contract with me? I got it hidden safely away at home. Let me tell you something, Remley. You're not going to get away with this because... Oh, come on, Alice. Let's get out of here. That character, I'll break every bone in his body. Now, Phil, Phil, don't lose your temper. You won't get the contract back by antagonizing Frankie. You've got to use your head about this. No. I guess you're right. But to think my, my best friend would double-cross me, that's what hurts. <laughs> Isn't there anybody I can trust? Isn't there somebody that I can admire and respect? Good morning, Philip. <laughs> Will he, please? Not now, will he? Not now. You better leave him alone, William. He's not in a very good mood. He has a problem that's getting him down. Why, Philip, I'm surprised at you letting problem get you down. I find problem stimulating. I believe in standing up to a weighty problem and defeating it. Or as a Chinese philosopher once said, he who wrestled with problem get toehold on adversity. Thank you, Anna May Wong. <laughs> If you tell me your problem, I'm sure I can help you. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Get out, will you, Willie? Maybe you can help, Willie. You see, Phil let Frankie sign his Rexall contract for him. And now Frankie has taken advantage of it and is taking over the show. And, well, well, Phil won't be on the air anymore. I see. But what's the problem? <laughs> Your information, wise guy, he's getting Alice off of the show, too. Now, if you'll excuse me, i got to go and figure this out. Getting my sister off the show? Wait for me, Philip. Alice, I brought the children down. I thought we all might have lunch together. Oh, I'll take them to lunch. You go with Phil. Uh, wait, Philip. I'm coming with you. Poor Phil. This thing really has him down. I wish there was some way I could get that contract back from Frankie. Hello, Mommy. Hi, Mommy. Where'd Daddy go? Oh, he had business to attend to, children. He's got a problem that's bothering him. Can we help, Mommy? Oh, thanks, honey, but there's nothing you can do. You're just children and... Children. Say, maybe that's the way to do it. If I can appeal to Frankie's human side... Look, girls, here's what I want you to do. When Uncle Frankie comes out of NBC, we'll be standing here looking very sad. <laughs> Fellas, be on time for the show Sunday. Okay, Frankie. Say a Sunday, maestro. Yep. That's <laughs> a fine bunch of men I have working for me. Dum, dum, da, dum. Oh, I'm the star of Rexall. <laughs> and that's where I belong. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
bloodhounds following me? Oh, hello, Alice. Hello. Hi, kids. What are you crying about? Alice, did you beat those poor kids? Frankie, hmm? you ought to know why they're crying. It's what you did to their father. Yes, you beast. You scoundrel. You took our daddy's job. Well, I didn't really. I only... Uh... Gee, look, kids. With his talent, your daddy can get another job. Where? Well, he can go... He could work... They'd be glad to have him at... You got me. Wait a minute. He's still working for Jack Benny. You know, there ain't no money connected to that guy. Besides, it's too late for anything. He's left us. Left you? Naturally. He's a man. What else could he do? No job. No future. He didn't want to burden us. He said he didn't want to live on my money. What made him change his mind over? This is no laughing matter, Frankie. Do you realize that that because of your having that contract, Phil has left us for good? And now, now I don't have a husband. And the children don't have a father. Cut it out, Al. Frankie, Frankie, you're the only one who can make us a happy family again. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's up to me to do the right thing. Alice? Yes, Frankie? <laughs> How would you like to become Mrs. Remley? <laughs> I'd make a very good father to your children. Don't get hysterical, girls. I didn't say yes. Uh, all right. Stop crying, kids. Alice, I'm not a homewrecker. If it means that much to you, I'll give you back the contract. Oh, Frankie, I knew you would. Come on, let's go over to your apartment and get Well, it. I haven't got it there. I just told that to Curly. I got it right here in my guitar case. <laughs> there you are. Oh, thanks, Frankie. You're a darling. You've made me happy, you've made the children happy, and when I tell Phil he's the star of the show again, he'll be happy, too. Yeah, but I'm not. <laughs> now I'm just a lousy guitar player again. <laughs> Goodbye, Alice. So long, kids. Goodbye, Frankie. Children, you were wonderful. I've got to find your daddy and tell him the news. It's a great day for the Harrises. <laughs> It's a most unusual day Feel like throwing my worries away As an old native-born Californian would say It's a most unusual day There's a most unusual sky Not a sign of a cloud passing by And if I want to sing, throw my heart in the ring It's a most unusual day there are people Hello. meeting people. Well, you know. There is sunshine everywhere. There are people Hello. greeting people Goodbye. and the feeling of spring in the air. 
It's a most unusual time. The feeling my temperature climb. If my heart won't behave in the usual way, there's only one thing to say. It's a most unusual day. There is sunshine, yes, we mean sunshine. With apologies to Florida. There are people greeting people and the feeling of falling the air. It's a most unusual time. I keep feeling my temperature climb. If my heart won't behave in the usual way, there's only one thing to say. It's a most unusual, most unusual, most unusual day. Philip, I do not think we ought to break into Franklin's apartment. That's no way to solve your problem. Nobody's asking you. Now, Frankie said the contract is in his place, and I'm going to get it. Now, let's see. Remley's room is on the ground floor. Here it is. Now, look, I'll get down on my hands and knees, and you stand on my back so you can reach the window. Philip, I refuse to go through with this. Now, you can't back out. For once in my life, I need you. Well? Well, now, you listen to me. This contract means a lot of dough to me. I need your help. Well? In that case, I will make a deal with you. If I help you, you are to make me your business manager at $100 per week. Did you major in blackmail at Harvard? <laughs> All right, it's a deal. Now, I'll get down on my knees and... What are you writing there? Putting our little deal on paper. Just sign here. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, come on, get up on my back. Very well. That's it. Now open that window quick. Now get in, Willie, and don't make any noise. Wow, what are the Bobsy twins up to now? Julius, what are you doing in this alley? I got grocery customers here. Hey, you guys are trying to break in that apartment. I got a good mind to call the police. Now wait a minute, Julius. Don't do that. If they catch me, I'll get 20 years in the clink. You don't want that to happen to me, do you? <laughs> Look, Julius, if you don't care about me, think of Miss Faye. Now, if you call the police, my poor wife will be left all alone for 20 years. Help me, please! Julius! Now, don't do that. Please, kid, look, I'm not robbing anybody. Then what are you trying to sneak in that apartment for? I'm just going in to get my radio contract with Rexall. A likely story. I'm going to call a cop. You better hold it a minute, grocery boy. Now, you better get away from here. Getting this contract means a lot of money to me. Money? Mr. Harris, are you trying to buy me off? <laughs> are you insinuating that I'd be quiet for the sum of, say, ten dollars? I didn't say nothing about giving you ten dollars. <laughs> well, I heard somebody say it, and I accept. <laughs> All right, all right, then. Ten bucks, it's a deal. I'll mail it to you. Sign this, Philip. What is it? Your agreement with Julius. <laughs> That's my business manager that said that. Hand it to me. Here's the agreement, Julius. From now on, Mr. Harris agrees to pay you ten dollars a week. A week? I didn't... Julius, come back here. There's been a mistake. You wouldn't take advantage of me. You wouldn't take money every week for nothing, would you? If you can take it from 
Oh, that kid, I can't... Come on, Philip, give me a hand and I'll help you through the window. Thanks. Well, we're in at last. Now, let's find that contract before Frankie gets home. Shh, quiet now. We don't want the neighbors to hear us. I wonder where he has that contract. Could be in the dresser drawer. Or could be in the sugar bowl. Yeah. It could be in his guitar case. That's where it was, but it ain't anymore. Frankie! <laughs> yeah, Frankie. What are you guys doing in my apartment? Apartment? Yeah. Ain't this the Fairfax bus? <laughs> Curly, what are you doing breaking into my place? I got a right to break into it. I'm after my contract, and I ain't leaving till I get it, and I hand it over. Oh, well, you're too late, Curly. I already Look, get... Frankie, if you'll give me the contract, I'll make it worth your while. Now, I'll make a deal with you. Not yet, Willie. <laughs> we didn't even come to terms yet. Now, look, Frankie, if you'll hand over the contract, I'll give you $100 a week raise. But, Curly, you don't... I don't... Who knows? I'll take it. Will you put that in writing? With Willie here, how can I help it? Sign here, Philip. There. Now, Remley, give me the contract and... Frankie! Frankie! Hey, it's Alice. Come on in, honey. Uh-oh. Oh, there you are, Phil. I thought you'd be here, and I've got wonderful news for you. Me too. I, I got, got the, the contract, contract back, back from Frankie. Frankie. <laughs> you got it. Yes, here it is. He gave it to me right after you left NBC. But I just gave him a hunt. Remley. The master just left, sir. I'll tell him when he returns from Ninja. Remley, you low down. Come on, Alice. Let's get out of here. No, no. Not until I thank Frankie. Frank, it was very noble of you to give up the contract for nothing. I appreciate it, and I'm going to see that you get more money on the show. You'll get a new deal. Willie, drop that pen! Frankie. Yeah. Look, kid. What's the matter? Well, I want to apologize for breaking into your apartment. Oh, that. Well, Alice told me that you gave her the contract, and, well, I'm sorry, Frank. I came back to thank you. Well, it's nothing, Curly. Oh, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. It's... As long as you had that contract, you, you had me in a hole. Oh, nonsense. Sure you had me in a hole. You could have become the star and made yourself a lot of money. Well, and I just want to say that it was very unselfish of you. Oh, I know. I guess I'm just a soft-hearted schnook. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodbye, Curly. Bye, pal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, let's see. Where did I put the photostatic copy of that contract? <laughs> Hey, Mr. 
mister? What's that sign in your window say? Rexall, sonny. What is Rexall? Well, first of all, it's a family of fine, pure drug products. More than 2,000 of them made by the Rexall Drug Company, son. Rexall also means the only stores where you can buy these Rexall drug products. Oh! Watch for Rexall's big one-cent sale, October 20th through the 23rd. On those four days, you can buy two famous guaranteed Rexall products for the price of one plus one cent. Look for Rexall's big one-cent sale at every store with the orange and blue Rexall sign in the window. This program was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. The part of Frankie Remley was played by Elliot Lewis, and Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Alice Fay appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. Sunday is fun day. Stay tuned to this station for the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy Show, which follows immediately. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we'll wrap up the week with Dimension X, followed by Red Skelton. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.